Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Along the Keel, a podcast dedicated to the brands that are being built outside. My name is Captain Zach, and in today's episode, I speak with Cliff Ray of P2P Rescue. P2P Rescue is a company based out of North Carolina that is innovating, designing, creating, and building rescue boards to be used by lifeguards and municipalities around the nation and around the world. These boards are literally saving lives. So it was really cool to be able to touch base with Cliff, get the background on his story. He initially started out as a real estate developer, of all things, and is now building rescue boards. So you're going to have to listen in to be able to put the two pieces together. But let me tell you, it's a great story. Cliff is a very well-spoken individual and it was just a great little conversation that we had. So be sure to stick around towards the end of the show. I hope you guys enjoyed episode number 40 of Along the Keel. Man, that's uh, that's pretty cool to be able to say that. And um, a profound jump, I would say, from 1 to 40. Hopefully it sounds better than it, it this episode sounds better than uh, episode number 1. And if it doesn't, let me know. <laughs> But uh, anyway, hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the show. Make sure to like, share, subscribe, leave us a review. Those are very, very important. Also, follow us on social media. Go give Cliff a follow. You can find the links to that in the show notes. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode, episode number 40 of Along the Keel. Enjoy. When you started P2P, was it a matter of, you know it was just a matter of interest, right? Cause you were coming from your real estate career and you're like, all right, I'm going to start building paddle boards on the side. And you know, now that you're in an 8,000 square foot foot space, where exactly did you start? I mean, in your garage? <laughs> I started with a partner um, who was just a uh, kind of a niche boutique custom surfboard builder um, right. here locally. Um, and he knew how to build rescue excuse me he knew how to build stand-up paddle boards right and when we were designing you know p2p originally stood for prone to paddle mm-hmm. and so uh not having any board building experience at all just being in real estate we had this great idea about storing a paddle on the deck of a board um, right. to help athletes train um for the sup races mm-hmm. and so i went to him i said hey i got this idea you want to partner up try and get a patent on this thing We'll skip forward a whole couple of years um, later and we didn't get the patent, felt crushed mm-hmm. by it. And so my partner kind of bounced. And then I was like, well, we got, you know, I some got this thing. <laughs> thing I still got to do. <laughs> right. And I got to figure out how to um, make something out of it. <laughs> right. Know? And so that's how I wound up in Hawaii and right. um, meeting the lifeguards. And they were asking about, Hey, you've got some really cool technology and you've done this innovative thinking on stand up paddles boards. Mm-hmm. And paddle boards, can you help design rescue boards? And right. I was like, typical answer of an entrepreneur. <laughs> sure. sure, I can do that. <laughs> Not knowing any of the damn thing about, <laughs> about it. Right. Uh, but then, and then, so we wound up in Hawaii. Uh, and and how did you wind up in Hawaii? A guy by the name of Kai Hall um, is a North Shore lifeguard. Mm-hmm. And on social media, he had been bugging me while I was doing prone to paddle. Um, and we were doing the paddle and setting the board. He kept, he was like one of those people on social media that just kept 
bugging you, you know, right. and I just thought he was annoying at the time because I wasn't Stop tagging me. <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, exactly. And so I didn't uh, I didn't I didn't pay any attention to what he was asking me and telling me. He kept saying, mm -hmm. you know, you should put a pad on the deck of a board so that you we can use it to train for rescuing. Right. Well, I kept brushing them off. Get away from me. And then once I finally had nothing, no patent, no business partner. Right. No. I was like, wow, let's, let's entertain this guy. And, yeah. and I look at my wife. I was like, you want to go to Hawaii? <laughs> so, sure. Why not? Why not? Um, that's how we wound up in Hawaii. I met Kai. And then I saw the rescue boards they were using were basically the same rescue board in Hawaii as they're using in Florida and that they're using in California. Right. And that just didn't make sense to me. Mm -hmm. uh, why is everybody using the same design board and yet everybody's coastline is different? Right. Everybody's swell is different. Everybody's victim profile, you know, is different. Right. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> and now we build rescue boards. Yeah. Awesome. So, but there, there's got to be this, I mean, you went from selling real estate to building rescue boards. It, I mean, there's, they're just so different in every which way. So you had, and even the thought that you had about, all right, well, every coastline's different. Every victim is going to be different. You know, that's a very intuitive thought to have. So um, my guess is you pretty much grew up on the water, you know, you know, fishing, boating, paddling hit there in North Carolina, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I, the, the link, the link that you're kind of missing there is, is really the, the, the backstory, I guess, to how, my mindset went from prone to paddle to mm -hmm. uh, P2P rescue. And uh, it's interesting. I tell people uh, they know some of my history and my, my father died in a drowning accident when I was 16, um, which was, you know, 30 years ago now. No, no, I'm not that old. How old am I? That's 20 years ago now, um, which is a wild thing to think about. And mm -hmm. so as I got into it, you know, I didn't come into this thing like, Oh, my, my father, I had this tragic accident and drowning and I'm, I'm going to go help make the drowning prevention world better. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't come into it in that mindset, which I think is different in, in hindsight, it's, I kind of got pulled into it from a different way. So I mm -hmm. wasn't forcing the drowning prevention thing. And then, and I really truth, truthfully didn't see building rescue boards as drowning prevention initially. I honestly, I didn't even connect my father's death with what I'm doing now until like a year mm -hmm. later. And I started attending these conferences and everything was about drowning prevention, drowning prevention. And I was like, wow, we're actually not building just a, a surfboard with rescue handles and a pad. I was like, we're actually designing stuff to save lives. Right. And it was like a real, it was a real moment for me, an emotional moment for me when somebody else, it was a chief actually out of Fort Lauderdale that put it, that put it together. She came to me at a conference. She's like, don't you realize what you're doing? And I was like, oh, no, I didn't. Um, and then you know everything happens for a reason i believe that uh just like losing my patent and then having that uh what's the word i'm looking for it having that realization then we started building other types of rescue boards mm -hmm. um and that's when we kept pushing to design now not just rescue boards but now other equipment that people need um for drowning prevention and so now i i, I I proudly say, you know, that's what we're doing now. Right. Um, so, so there's the link. You know, my father was a real estate developer, and I was following it in his footsteps to be a real estate developer. And 
you know, doing very well. Good God, in 08, you know, before 08, you could make money selling a parking lot, right? You know, in real estate and mm-hmm. was doing great with it and could have kept on that path, quite frankly, following my, in my dad's steps. But yeah. then to leave the real estate market in development into doing this, um, have a lot of consternation and, and anxiety, but it was in another way. I guess I was helping fulfill my father's spirit and what he did. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we're, we're still, you know, we're in our fifth year of the company and t- this was going to be our break even year. <laughs> Thanks to COVID. <laughs> you know, it's a challenge, right? Yeah. Yes, there is. Yeah. Um, so when you, when you first started like post, you know, having your buddy leave and, and now you're starting to build rescue boards, when you made that realization of, Hey, I'm no longer really building rescue boards. I'm saving lives. What was kind of your transition and mindset of to, okay, well, it's not just about the board. It's about the people. You know, and how did that, do you think, played a role into you creating what P2P Rescue stands for today? Because that's such a, that's a very large transition to make, you know, that's a, and it's, you know, it's pretty profound at the same time. Like you're no longer just making boards, you're literally saving someone's life. So what did that, what did that feel like? And then what was that kind of setting you up for to where you are today? Uh, you know, Zach, I never... Th- thought about it in the, that, that con, well, I guess in that timeline of context, uh, I, I could say that I never really thought of it as it going to be like a full-time job. Right. Um, just like as I started the stand up paddle thing as a side business with somebody mm-hmm. else, it was just always going to be an aside thing. Um, and even still, um, after losing a partner. And even when I was in Hawaii, when we went to Hawaii looking at the rescue boards, I was still doing this as just kind of a thing on the side and mm-hmm. still doing my real estate. So it's interesting. You cannot kind of connected it for me that it wasn't until I changed the official name of the company from prone to paddle to P2P rescue that I hung up, actually hung up my real estate hat, gave it back to my family mm-hmm. and said, okay, guys, if if we're going to make a difference in drowning prevention and, and, and we're going to make this company survive and make a difference in the world by innovating new rescue boards, I got to go full bore. Right. So, you know, my wife and I had just gotten married and we hadn't had kids yet. And I was like, well, hell, if there's ever time to give it a go, let's go. Yep. And so I went full bore, man. Um, you had to, you know, there wasn't, you couldn't, Create, there wasn't the time to create and innovate if you're just not fully committed in your time and in your brain. Um, right. You know, and then so four years later, I think we, I, it's interesting. I just looked at the serial numbers. I think we just built our 350th, wow. 345th rescue board in mm-hmm. four years. Congrats. That's a lot of boards. Yeah. That's it's no a joke. Lot. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, you were on a Ted talk a while ago. Uh, was that a couple of years ago? I think it was. Yeah. I think it was like two years ago. Something like that. Time, actually. Yeah. And when, yeah. you know, prior to us having this conversation, you sent it to me and I actually watched it twice and, um, <laughs> very well spoken by the way, in, in, on, on a stage and, and with all those people and pressure and, um, you mentioned this moment, which I thought was really cool, you know, and another profound moment where you were out in Hawaii and you were trying to get it was the I think the lifeguard's name was uh, Kali, right? 
you had mentioned Kai. 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 Um, and, and Kai was trying to convince you to get off the jet ski and go surfing. Right. And, and it's, Oh yeah. yeah. You know yes, what I mean? That, and yeah, that uh, was, yeah, that, that was, uh, that guy's actual name was Bouvet. Um, Bouvet, okay. He's like, he, yeah, Bouvet. He's old school OG lifeguard at Makaha on the, uh, on Oahu. Which okay. Makaha is known as the gnarliest, one of the gnarliest. Oh yeah. Biggest surfs. Big time. Yeah. Big time. Uh, you know Makaha. I mean, yeah. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, that was Bouvet at Makaha. That, that's what that, that story is you're talking about. Yeah. So how do you think that story is kind of a, a good view into starting P2P, right? Because now you, you went from your buddy, now you had this transition, and now it's like, all right, like you said, it's, it's jumping in with, with two feet and, and, and going full bore, hanging up your hat. And it seemed as though this was like a transitional moment for you where it was, all right, here we go. And it was like the first test into we have our first boards. We're trying to show them, you know, what they're really made of and, and building and constructing them. And now you really gotta, you gotta go play with the big boys and not only that, but in the biggest, some of the biggest surf in the world, you know? Yeah. I guess I had thought about it like that. Um, I will say at that moment, and I didn't mention it in the Ted talk. Um, it was, it was also at that moment that I don't think I said in that story when Bouvet, they were testing it was huge, man. It was massive off Makaha. Um, and we were out there for like two hours and they were testing the boards and I'm looking at things and watching the boards and float and this and that. And uh, it, it wasn't until the, the first time I said no, jumping in the water to the second time when he asked that I just realized I was like, Oh snap, man. I was like, if, if, if they can't, if they can't expect me to get on my own board in this, how can I expect them to trust me to build their boards? Right. Right. And that was a, that was a, that was in itself, a, a, as you said, a profound moment when I realized I was like, man, you know, I'm building stuff, not just for somebody that I don't know to go off into the water and make a save. I'm I've actually, it's going to actually take on a couple people's lives. So if right. I got to trust what I'm, if they can't trust, me to get on it then why should they trust the equipment itself yeah <laughs> so that's when i was like you know side note if you're going to go down on a 20-foot wave <laughs> it's good to have it, the best water prof professionals in the world with you so i was like well worst case <laughs> what do know, i got to lose I go, right <laughs> I, I go down and they save me <laughs> right right you know there's something to be said about those guys out in hawaii i mean having lived out on the big island there is, I mean, if you're going to go find a spot with some true watermen, Hawaii is the place to go. So it's interesting how, you know, you going and building, um, you know, rescue boards in North Carolina, which also has some pretty good surf, like you got the Outer Banks and whatnot and some great boating and fishing. But Hawaii is really the epicenter for surfing and, and spearfishing and just living the waterman dream. So out of all the places, I mean, you seem to have a pretty good relationship with the guys out in Hawaii. I mean, I know you ship boards around the world, but um, Hawaii seems to be that one spot. What do you think really makes that that connection for you? I know we had talked about the connection between North Carolina and Hawaii, which was very interesting. If you would, you know, wouldn't mind touching on that, that'd be that'd be great. Yeah, um, sure. But what do you think makes a makes a waterman, and why do you think Hawaii is that spot? I can say from in, in the for the start of P2P, if, if you recall, I didn't when I started prone to paddle, I didn't know anything about building boards. Right. right. That's why I you know, it was somebody that did. 
you know, transfer that over to building damn large surfboards. I sure as hell didn't know what I was doing there. Mm -hmm. Right. But I had my background in design and development and we invested in all this fancy CAD technology to design boards and then a CNC machine to make them. Right. right? And so we had, I had all this technology at my disposal and then, um, I was like, well, if we're going to give this a go and we're going to learn how to build boards, that's, I'm, let me team up with the best watermen, as you said, in the, the world with yeah. the different conditions. And I was very, very fortunate that, um, of two people, Kai mm -hmm. on the North shore, and then the chief of Kauai kind of took me under his wing, um, guy named Kalani Vieira. Mm -hmm. And they took a chance on me. Um, granted, nobody else was, you know, listening to them and building specific custom boards what they need and so right. it was a really mutual beneficial and uh great relationship with the guys on the north shore and then the guys on Kauai because mm -hmm. i had spent man i was over there probably every two months three months um for about two years and spent mm -hmm. a lot of time on the beach and in the water with these guys and listening to what they wanted and they love that right right but selfishly i was getting the best education in the world yeah oh my god i mean you can't ask for better input to learn how to do something. So I kind of thought to myself, well, if I can't build it right for these guys, then I don't deserve building them for anybody because right. if I can't figure it out here, then it's not going to work anywhere else. Mm -hmm. um, and then that relationship continued to grow and grow. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a really interesting relationship between <clears throat> Hawaii, North Carolina and itself. And touching on what you asked is like part of me being from North Carolina, when I, when you go out to Hawaii, the the hawaiian culture outside of waikiki mm -hmm. but the actual hawaiian culture is a lot like the south mm -hmm. um they're hard working they're polite they use their manners and you show respect it's yep. really that quite simple um mm -hmm. before my before my first trip to hawaii i called a friend of mine who said uh act like yourself act yeah. like you're raised in the south act like you talk to your grandmother um act like you hold the door for uh, a stranger coming out of the grocery store Right. said be yourself and you'll be taken in and that's what it was like so that's why there's this really great connection and, and north Carolinians have a long history of being lifeguards out there um mm. and vice versa and so having the north carolina background and people could hear my man you'd be amazed <laughs> like on the north shore or, or maui even people would hear it my accent and be like you're from east north carolina right like, oh, crap you know I yeah am actually <laughs> so having that helped me get in with with the wines um, really good. Yeah. It's, it's interesting how, you know, having lived on the big Island and working on the water was such a connection for me to, you know, the culture over there. And, you know, it was funny that I was known as like the Northeast captain and because, you know, the, the Northeast has some pretty gnarly seas and it gets pretty rough and whatnot. And it was like this, this assumption that, Oh, well, don't worry. Zach, Zach will go out that day. And I'm like, Oh, what are you talking about? I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to go out. <laughs> but, um, but, uh, you know, it was this, it was this, you know, mutual respect of, you know, I wasn't just some Howley guy from the mainland who just wanted to come over and make money. And that was it. It was, I want to come over and learn and, and learn the culture and, and really kind of become enveloped by it. And it was, it was kind of a duty that I put on myself that, you know, I had to learn the culture and be a part of it because I was a representative and an ambassador for it. Right. Cause people from around the country would, would come and 
go on a charter with me. So it was a matter of, you know, I don't want to mess this up, right? Because I'm a representative of Hawaii. And that's kind of how I felt, what you know, the way it was. So you as a representative for, you know, rescuing people's lives and, and building boards, you know, you got to ask, like, what goes into some of these boards? I know we just did a, a shop, a little bit of a shop tour, but, you know, kind of walk us through, obviously, there's there's board one. And, you know, you were telling me some of the boards have, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten renditions to it, not to mention the sleds. And, and there's a huge process to building these things. So you having that, you know, that firsthand knowledge from those guys out in Hawaii, I mean, what kind of innovations were you trying to go from instead of just having a regular surfboard? You, you know, you also, y'all, uh, I'm going to answer your question, but you, you made me yeah. think of something interesting when I've been always trying to figure out, there's a guy here named Reggie Barnes, who's, um, he's, he's an old school guy here locally, but has a house on the Hawaiian islands and mm-hmm. across islands. And he and I talk about that, what we were just talking about North Carolina, Hawaii, but you just said something that helped me. And he and I are always like, how, I don't get it. Like, I understand it, but I don't really don't understand, get why we get, get like along so well. And when you just said something that helped me realize that you being on the, on the the big island you were there to um like like learn from the culture learn Mm -hmm. from your experiences on the water and and then give back to what you're trying to do out here on the east coast as a captain right right? and so Mm -hmm. i think it's interesting that that's that's actually what a reason that maybe i was taken in by so many people and not just pushed off as a Hallie because I wasn't coming to Hawaii just to take, right. You know, I'm not coming here just to, I want, I want your experience. I want your knowledge. I, I want to take what you know and take it, you know, right. I was using it and then giving back. Right. So I think that might have a lot to do with, um, and that feeds right into your next question into the design process, right? Mm-hmm. You gotta, you gotta be willing to listen and take what they tell you, come back to North Carolina, figure out what I wrote down on my, napkin at lunch that he said about the fin placement you know right and um and then bring that back apply it into an actual functional device and then send it back to hawaii for testing Mm -hmm. right and you know there's a lot there's so much trust in that relationship i you know they trust that i'm going to listen to them and bring it back and put it into a functional board Mm -hmm. and then they I trust that they're going to take something that has no proven <laughs> proven efficiency in the water, or even safe to be in the water, for God's sakes. They, right. they trust that I built something that's going to hopefully work and right. then trust that if it doesn't work, they're going to tell me. Right. Right. So in terms of the innovation, it really just it was it was a it was a relationship based on trust between the people giving the feedback and then applying it into the into the actual building of the board you know it's it's the left brain right brain that's mm-hmm. i tell my wife a, a lot it doesn't happen as much as it used to but in the early days when we were doing a lot of these design changes yep you literally have to go from like left brain all design mm-hmm. like thinking about okay how you gotta i gotta put it into the actual cad and then make it design and like get that's the whole artsy side to the design right right but then you have to go switch over to your right brain and then apply that onto an actual machine, right? Right, mm-hmm. and then apply that to building a hard board and the placement of the handles. And man, I can tell you, I'd come <laughs> back 
you asked another question like where it started we used to be down at the port in this crappy little roll-up door warehouse and i'd come back and I'd be exhausted and was, we didn't we didn't have had i didn't have any kids at that time and she's like you all right i was like man i'm done my brain it's burnt i can't yeah. can't function yeah. and i can remember thinking back it's because you'd have to switch left brain right brain left brain right brain right and um it, it, it would exhaust you um but then you, you wake up fresh. The other crazy thing about that, Zach, <laughs> when, in that process, when we were doing a lot of that original, like original design and like feedback and revision and left brain, right brain, right. I would have the most gnarly weird dreams. No way. Full of colors and sounds and tastes and just not as if I was like tripping on acid or right. mushrooms or something, but just the most clear and vivid dreams yeah. during that time. Well, it was weird. I can I can attest to that right there. Yeah. Because and some people don't believe me, but I will literally have moments where I wake up and I think I'm still on the boat like out in the middle of the Pacific or towing because I I I do towing and salvage and whatnot and or like I'm in the middle of a salvage and I just you know I'm waking up because I can't find something. You know, I'll be standing up in my in the middle of my room and everyone's <laughs> like, what are you doing, man? And my roommate, my my roommate out there in Hawaii, I would come home from charters and and it would be like 1 a.m. in the morning. I gotta be up at seven and uh to go do another charter at 7 30. And uh you know I, I'd come home, I'd go to sleep and I'd he'd said, Rollins, can you stop knocking on my door? Cause I'd go and I'd knock on his door thinking he was like a customer. And, um, it, and it was like, you know, it's so true because building this podcast and then, you know, working as a captain, that's so right brain, right? It's like, I gotta get a job done, very mission oriented. Then you go in from the left brain of like creativity and design work. I can totally agree with that. So what were some of the like big, you know, momentous jumps right when you were talking to those guys and now you're trying to bring this knowledge back and implement it right and that's a big that's a big leap and i'm sure there was some scary moments and some challenges and you know where do i buy the foam right where, where do i how do i use a cnc machine and you going from real estate it's like it's totally different so what was it like when you first shipped off your first board and then everything that was kind of like put into that board and be like all right here you go. I think, I think it's going to work. You know, I threw up the, my first trip to Hawaii when I sent a board <laughs> over there. I was so nervous. I got off the plane and I, I, I threw up getting off the plane when I landed in Oahu. Cause I was so <laughs> nervous <laughs> about this board. This was actually, this was probably after my second or third trip. Cause at the first and second trip back in 15, 2016, we obviously didn't have any boards. We were you know, working on the design. So it wasn't until right. 16 or 17 that we actually landed our first board. And of course mm -hmm. I flew over there <laughs> yeah. and I was so nervous the whole time. And I, I, that's when I got addicted to, uh, Zantac and, you know, antacids mm -hmm. uh, because <laughs> I'd have to load up on that stuff. My wife would tell me like before going to a trip, like two weeks before I'm going to Hawaii during that time, she goes, you need to start taking your Zantac now. Cause it's two weeks <laughs> out from when you're going to Hawaii, you know? And <laughs> It's nerves, you know, it's uh -huh. nerves. So it's, it, you gotta, you're not sure if you, you know, like you said about finding the foam, you're not sure if the handle rubber that you sourced is going to be strong enough to hold up. Um, right. Because, you know, you're, we're, we're designing handle inserts that nobody's done before. Mm -hmm. For example, we, we now use kite board foot strap inserts. 
Interesting. Um, that was from going to that conversation a while ago. The professor is the one who gave me that idea. He's like, well, what about a kiteboard foot strap? That works with epoxy. And right. Yeah, oh, great. So you don't know if that's going to hold up. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're not, you're not just worried about whether or not the board works. You're worried about, damn, is a, is a handle going to break and just a small eight foot swell you know, right. on the South shore or East side or something. So mm-hmm. you're worried about a lot. Um, I, I can't say even after building the, you know, 300 boards that, I'm any less worried um, because stuff can still go wrong. Um, right. And it can, and, and uh, you know, maybe someday that's a pretty guy that doesn't, but stuff happens and you got to trust that as long as I, I, I say to my kids now, well, my, my daughter, she's five. And I say it to her now, I was like, all you can do is the best that you can do at the time that you're at. Right. And you know, that's, if, if you truly believe that that's, you're giving it all you've got, Mm-hmm. The best you can do right now, whether you're doing your school tests or mm-hmm. studying or designing boards, you can't be upset at yourself. There's going to be um, things happen, but as long as you give it everything you can, um, that's how I put my trust in these boards and these guys putting them in the water. And now, obviously, I'm not losing as much sleep with, you know, version seven sure. that's sitting that you saw sitting on the wrecks going to San Diego. Um, but then we throw ourselves into the, the rescue sleds and right. we just built a new model called the responder um, that just shipped out to uh, Tahiti and it's going to wow. get, that's really cool. to, yeah. yeah, it's going to Raimana at Teapu at Chopes and we finished it and it's this new design. It's like a larger rescue sled um, that's not as wide um, so you can fit multiple people on it um, mm-hmm. and make quicker, uh, quicker grabs from the big wave surfers there in the big waves. Yep. And um, we built it. It was only the second one I built. And I was like, crap, we got it. I have to test this thing. It was like, so I, I boxed it up. And then Sunday I looked at my wife and I was like, damn, I was like, I haven't tested that thing yet. I can't mm. send that thing to get you without throwing it in the water. So we unboxed the damn thing, threw it behind the boat, got a half a dozen um, lifeguards from our local ocean rescue. And I was like, all right, let's go try and break this thing, you know? And <laughs> Uh, yeah and so these guys you know these guys are great they love just they love just to try and break stuff with me just beating on it just beat on it get it in the water how many people can we fit on this thing until (laughs) it breaks off the back of the jet ski you know um and so and it held up great and so then i'm not worried about it uh right going to tahiti now because we 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 did our best and we designed what we could Um, right so I'm sure you've had yeah. quite a few stories of, you know, your equipment getting used for rescues. I mean, it, you're, you're putting yourself out there in some of the gnarliest, roughest and worst conditions, you know, on the planet, you know, uh, I mean, big wave surfing is no joke. I had a conversation with Terry Sims, um, who's a, who wasn't a, he wasn't a big wave surfer, um, just cause his, his era, that wasn't the big thing. Um, but he works with a lot of guys like Pat, uh, Pat McNamara and some other big wave sure. surfers. Um, and he was just describing me the, the amount of force that's coming down and he, he developed a, a helmet for, for surfers. So, you know, in the same sense, you guys are kind of in the same space, you know, both creating safety equipment for, you know, the surf industry and, and, and lifeguarding industry. What are some of the stories that you've, you've gotten back if you can share any, I mean, I don't know sure. what that's like, but, um, you know, I, I think one of my favorite stories, um, and it was early, early on 
building rescue boards. And I don't, I'm not sure if I'd even committed to P2P yet at that time fully in my brain. I might have in my time quitting real estate, but maybe not in my brain. Um, I built this. I, I look at this thing. I can't believe this. I did build this board, but it would be called the one of the East Coast models. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on the East Coast here versus West Coast and Hawaii, our, we got smaller, you know, swell, mushier right. type waves, right? Mm-hmm. But yet our currents can be just as bad, if not worse, than anywhere, sure. um, in my opinion, because our sand moves. You know, we have a sandier bottom than the West Coast and, quite frankly, Hawaii, because they have the, the coral. Lava rock. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yep. And then uh, West Coast has a lot of rock. Mm-hmm. not so much sands in some places. So our, our bottom changed more. So I think we have worse rips than about anywhere. Well, so I designed this board, these huge hips, like it had like four inches thick at the back and like two at the front. And the idea was that the board in my brain at the time was that it's got a bigger bottom. So that it was going to push through the mush mm-hmm. better. Right. With a lot mm-hmm. of weight. Yeah. And it, it, it's a people love the board. It's a great board. But the story behind that was I didn't know if that damn thing was going to work. Um, mm-hmm. And I've been fortunate along this path that I've had a couple of captains and chiefs and big agencies go in with me on this journey and try to build something, mm-hmm. right? See if it works. And this one was in, down in Palm Beach County. And I hadn't heard anything about the East Coast model. And then I, this kid came up to me at a, at a U.S. Lifesaving event. He, and he, he was standing to the side. I was talking to somebody. He was standing to the side for like 30 minutes. And then he wanted to talk to me when nobody was around. He's like, you're Cliff. And I was like, yeah, yeah. He's like, I got to tell you a story real fast. I'm, I'm a lifeguard, part-time lifeguard. Um, I'm not like one of these career guys. I like mm-hmm. to be around it. Um, he said, but I took uh, your East Coast model. He said, I was standing in the stand at a pier. Uh, I want to say it was Pompano. Was it Pompano maybe? Mm-hmm. Or Juno. Juno pier. And there was four there was four females uh, out that had gotten sucked out of a rip right along the pier. Mm-hmm. And he said, the only thing he could do is grab the board and go out. And he remembers like paddling out and not thinking he's like, how the hell am I going to rescue four people um, out in this rip? And there was actually some big surf mm. and he, long story short, he said he was able to get everybody on that board. Um, and as he was paddling in a, a, a wave came around their back he thought it was going to pearl and everybody was going to f- fly off the board. He said, because the back had so much beef on it, it pushed right. right in and the board went right up on the beach and everybody was fine. He said, wow. without incident, he goes, and he said, I know for, he goes, I know for a fact, he said, I, pr- I would not have been able to say everybody if we wouldn't have been able to get everybody on that board when I got out there the first time. Yeah. I just got goosebumps. And yeah. I know. That's right. Wild. Yeah. It is wild. And um, I even get a little emotional talking about it because it's like, ah, dang, it's like that was one circumstance that could have had a, a totally different outcome because right. people die in rip currents all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. So I actually tried to, when I did that TED talk you brought up, I yeah. tried to find that guy and he didn't want to talk about that story again. Oh, really? It's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I think, I think because it was probably an emotional thing for him. You know, yeah. I called the chief and, and I said, like, Hey, can you put me, I don't, I, cause I didn't get the guy's name. Right. And I got the guy and he's like, oh, I'm, I'm good, man. Thanks. But no, nah. yeah, that was a, and I get it. Cause it's emotional things, you know, sure. they don't, he didn't want to talk about it, um, which is fine. But uh, I guess I just told the story here. But... <laughs> now it's live. <laughs> yeah. Now it's live. He'll be fine. Yeah. Um, but it's important. And, I, and so 
Yeah, that's that's when I thought, okay, you know, so the, these this actually idea that mm-hmm. a different board for each coast makes sense, and that was kind of one of those pivotal moments where we realized that what we're designing for different breaks is uh, can function, right? <laughs> now, yeah. whether or not we can make it into a a, a, a business that sur- can survive in advance hurricanes, <laughs> pandemics, you know. Uh, yeah, you guys, right. we're, making, we're making a difference and so and that's the important part i think it'll all you know it all comes back around right i mean it's what you put out there that you know eventually and, and hopefully will will come back to you now you you work with a lot of municipalities like fire departments you know obviously with lifeguards police departments other rescue entities <clears throat> what is kind of that process when you guys are looking at building a board? Because like you said, every board is different and every sled that you're building is different. And even from a captain's perspective, knowing that, you know, one boat is not going to perform like the other boat, you know, like yesterday I was delivering a 42 foot saber, which, you know, has kind of a round bottom hull, but it's a little bit deeper V nice keel on it. And, you know, it, it does great in like a small chop, but in a bigger sea, I probably wouldn't want to take it out, you know, versus like a big, heavy lobster boat with, you know, a lot of weight in the stern. I'd, be, I'd feel much more comfortable taking that out into something that's a little bit gnarlier, right? So when you're working with these municipalities, what's the conversation you look like when you're like, all right, well, what's your victim and, and who are you trying to, you know, cater to and what kind of conditions and, and so on and so forth? There's got to be some sort of recipe, I would imagine, right? Uh, yeah, it's a good question. I I didn't know the recipe to begin with, right? Because mm, we right. nobody was really doing what we were doing. So um, then I, I was down to throw different models. I remember 17-foot tra- enclosed trailer, and I cut foam, and I had like seven different models mm-hmm. of rescue boards, a 10-foot, a couple versions of 11-foot, and driving up and down the East Coast, just getting anybody I could find to put in the water, right? Right. And I'd go do some cold cold knocks on like agencies up north in Florida. And finally I got I think it was down in Jacksonville, Florida, and I got the captain mm-hmm. who was on duty and he did not want to talk to me. You know, standard <laughs> I'm right. a vendor trying to sell him something out of my trailer. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like I get it, yes, right? And he said, Go talk it will say John. he'll say, Go to, go talk to John in Tower Seven. He's the board guy. Mm-hmm. He goes, whatever he says, I'll listen. And I was like, I was like, oh man, wait a minute. There's a board guy. Every agency has the one guy, the go-to guy who knows about boards. Okay. Right. So there, so there's the recipe. It's that simple. So then I realized, okay, forget the captain and the chief. Let me go through somebody I know somehow that knows somebody who's the board guy for Jacksonville, Florida, or for Santa Cruz, or right. for San Clemente, right? Mm-hmm. Find the board guy. Because if you can get to the board guy, then he's going to talk to you. He's a geek like me right. and just wants to talk about board design all day long till we fall asleep. Right? Yeah. So then if you can get him, then you can get the knowledge you need to know what to build. What's mm-hmm. the coast like? What's your victim like? Right. And then you work with him, you build his trust. And then when he goes talks to the captain, the chief, mm-hmm. they listen. Because right. captain chief, they don't want to listen to me. Now they do now because I have awesome relationships with these people. Right. right. But early on, I, I was doing something nobody else was doing, and they don't want to exhaust their time mm-hmm. <laughs> with building something new. Right. So the recipe, the, the, the recipe is actually quite that simple. Um, find the board guy. You know, the board guy <laughs> from North Shore was Kai. 
Yep. Right. The board guy for Kwai was Kalani. Uh, the board guy in uh, San Diego was a guy named Richard, Richard Strobel. The board mm-hmm. guy, you know, I can just, I can rain off my head right now, different agencies all over the country that, that who's the board guy. Right. You know, in your contacts in your phone, do you have board guy under their names? <laughs> it's tough. You know, I have like Sam lifeguard, but then early on I wasn't like, I should have put Sam lifeguard LA County. Right. <laughs> so now like I type thousands of lifeguards. Like, God, crap, I'm not going to find this guy now. <laughs> right. 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 So, yeah. It's, but now you bring up a not funny. Cause I can't <laughs> Right. Now it's hard to get in touch with people. Um, You bring up a good point, though, like finding the board guy, but also building trust, you know, and I feel like in in a world that's in the outdoors and on the water and pretty much in any any industry, right? It's all about building and forging relationships and then building that trust with someone. And, you know, in in an industry and in a business where you're literally saving lives, that is of the utmost importance. So, why do you think that is, you know, other than the fact that you're saving someone's life, but why do you think being around the ocean, being around the outdoors, trust is so, you know, pivotal in in creating a great relationship? The ocean, the ocean is probably the most unpredictable. You being a boat captain know this, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The ocean is the most unpredictable environment, quite frankly, probably in the world that you can put yourself in. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, if you do your research, then you know more. Um, but, and I've learned this from the Hawaiians, you have to, you have to show that respect, um, to the ocean. If you don't show the ocean respect, it will clobber you. Mm -hmm. Um, so you have to, and, and so if you're going to put yourself in an unpredictable environment, that you're not certain what's going to happen, whether you're Mm -hmm. going in for a rescue or going for a surf, right? Right. Um, you have to trust the people around you. Mm-hmm. You you can't if you're in a if you're in. Can we cuss here? I don't know. Go if for you're it. In the shit, right. <laughs> when yeah. When you, if if you're in out to make a rescue, even that kid I just told that story about at the end of the Juno Pier. Yeah. He was in the shit out there. You know, he was only thirty yards from shore, but he was in it to make a save. And so, yep. if you don't trust the equipment you're on, or if you don't want to trust the people that are out there with you, um then you're not going to survive. You're not going to survive. You're not going to be able to make the rescue. Right. So unless you can find that way to build that trust with the equipment you're on or find the trust for your fellow um, lifeguard or fellow mm-hmm. first responder, um, then when you're really in the heat, if you can't trust that person in an unpredictable environment or trust that piece of equipment and in a circumstance that could change in the blink of an eye, then you really don't stand a chance of surviving or making a difference. Right. Um, you know, I, I actually learned part of that story from Brian Keelana. Okay. Yeah. Um, we were doing some training on the North Shore and he told me a story of, or he was telling a crowd a story of how now with everybody has Apple watches, mm-hmm. right? He's like, back in the day, man, he goes, we had to rely on each other out at um, Waimea. He said, but now right. the great thing is you can, he goes, you need to know your environment. And he talks about, you know, an unpredictable environment. If you got to know where you are, Mm-hmm. And then trust people you're with, even if they're strangers. So he says now when he paddles out at Waimea or somewhere with Big Surf, you know, there's more people out there. He he immediately asks, okay, who has an Apple Watch with self service? Hmm. Because when when the shit does go down, that person's now where, hey, I'm the only person that can actually call somebody from my phone on my right. watch and get and get help. 
right? Right. And so then, then Brian knows who has that watch. Yep. So if something does go down, there's an immediate trust that, okay, that's the dude that's going to call 911. Right. Right. So there, you, and then you're putting trust in strangers. But yeah. You're all in the same environment and you got to trust people around you. Yeah. And, and, and also your equipment. You know, I mean, I've been told, the equipment, yeah. you know, and, and you being the equipment builder, you know, you really are as good as your gear. You know, if you have a, if yeah. you're carrying around a crappy knife and you get a line caught around your leg and it gets sucked in the prop, like, you know, you got a problem, right? If, if the right. board, you know, handle, you know, breaks or the fin snaps or what have you, you got a big problem. So it's really, you know, trusting your equipment and, you know, trusting people around you. But did you, through this whole process, you know, there obviously the guys out in Hawaii and, and the municipalities they work with, you got to trust them and they trust you. Is there anyone, you know, personally to you that you've trusted and that have kind of, you know, helped you out along the way? Because, you know, P2P, it, it as much as it is built by you, Cliff, you know, there's got to be that one, one or two people or that team of people that's like, all right, don't worry. Like we can still, you know, we can get through this. Like, you know, you threw up getting off the plane, but you know, you had to have called someone and be like, all right, I can get through this. Like no worries. And, and they kind of help you out through that. Is there anyone like that for you? I could put it in, yeah, in two little bubbles, right? Mm -hmm. um, the first bubble of those people I trust, I, I mentioned earlier, um, the two people that the chief of Kauai, right. Kalani Vieira, who is also the world Tandem surfing champion. He's, he's an <laughs> awesome guy. Um, and then Kai and a handful of lifeguards on the North Shore, right? Yeah. So I put that in trust into the that that's those people that really pick me up and help me learn. Right. So that's then there's the other side of the equipment. That's the left side of the brain going back to, right? Mm -hmm. Then there's the right side. There's been people um that have worked with me mm -hmm. who trust in my crazy ideas sometimes, not necessarily. They they know when to say that's a stupid idea or all right let's try it right um, and I've had one person who's worked with me as my right hand for about three years um, and interesting enough you know she doesn't come from a surfing background or a water background which was hmm. awesome because she could look at what we're doing from a completely objective perspective right like and like and she's the one who made our handles and um, helped us figure out how to make a rubber handle put it wrap it in duct tape so that it would slide through the, the webbing so that we could hotwire, you know, or right. put it in the board. Right. Yeah. So they're, they're those people. Um, and she just recently left me to move to the mountains to start her family, which she always told me she would. <laughs> and, but it, it was also, she knew, and we talked about this, it our, our a lot of our hard innovation designs that we had to come up with. We, we've passed. Like mm -hmm. the handles and the more about. So it was interesting. It was time for her to move on and she knew it. She's like, you know, we've done a lot of great things, but I'm time for my next thing. And I was so happy for her. And right. Um, so people like that who mm -hmm. have trusted just, hey, let's get our hands dirty and let's figure out how to do this. Let's figure right. out how to make this handle better. Let's figure out how to build a plastic nose cone on a mm -hmm. sled that we just built. Um, so there's been like a whole lot of handful of people on that, in that bubble, not anyone specific, but a whole lot of people when I'd run into a problem mm -hmm. or not necessarily a problem, but let's just say something I got to figure out that hasn't been done before. Right. Um, professor, I've talked about the professor, right? Yeah. The chemical guy. Yeah. He, when I have a problem, I go talk to him. So in that, in that other bubble, there's been a handful of people that I've gone to. Cause, uh, one thing I learned in real estate 
building buildings. If you don't know what you're talking about, go talk to somebody that does. You're not an engineer. Don't mm-hmm. don't try and design the struts for an awning that's going to have 50 people eating lunch under because it's going to fall and kill everybody. Right. 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 So, so go to the person that knows what they're talking about. And so yeah. I carry that over in this. If I don't know what I'm talking about, I can't pretend it or fake it because then I'm putting somebody else's life on the line right. in the real world. So let's go to somebody that does. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that was kind of the two bubbles of people that have helped a lot of this along the way. Yeah. No, I'm the same way. Like if I have a question, you know, I've, I've been fortunate to have a good network of people that I can go to, whether it's a mechanical problem on the boat that I need help like right now. And it's, you know, 1am I need, I need to talk to someone or, you know, just figuring out to, you know, the setup for a podcast, right? Like good audio and video and, and stuff like that. And, you know, everything else that I've worked on, it's like, it comes down to the team of people that you have and, in, in, in knowing that you're not going to be good at everything but there's going to be some people that are really good at that one thing. And why wouldn't I go and talk to that person? Right. And I think that's super important is like picking your team and and sticking with them and, you know, being trustworthy and reliable, but then also going back to what we talked about earlier is like, you know, learning as much as you can, but also giving back even more. Right. And so you always want to give more than you you always want to, um, you know, give back more than you take. Yeah. You know, the hardest part about that process, what you just talked about, and like, even though you go to somebody that knows what they're talking about and you got to pick the audio, right. And yep. somebody says, Oh, that's a good one. And then you got to trust it's going to work right now as we're talking. Right. Yeah. It's the same thing. And so that's all on you. You might've gone talk to the right person and they might right. give you the right idea. Hey man, but that's all on you right now to yeah, make sure of course. We're, you know, we're getting up. And that's the same thing in this process of designing some of this stuff. Like <laughs> I can go talk to the professor. I can talk to somebody in Hawaii. I can talk to, you know, my person here that helps me build stuff, yeah. whoever that is at the time. But when it go, it, it's on me, man. You know, when it, when it goes out that door and goes <laughs> yeah. into the scenario, it's on you. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's, you know, that's, that's where the anxiety comes from, but um, right. it goes away over time, the, the better you get at it. But uh, right. yeah, at the end of the day, you know, that's the, that's probably the, the loneliest part of what I do um, mm-hmm. building boards is that you have to be willing to, um, put all that on your shoulders. You can't blame anybody else. Right. You know, and that's scary, dude. I mean, that's, and over time I've gotten better at it because I have a whole lot of people that trust me and I trust them to give me their feedback. But, yep. you know, during that time of, I mean, I'm in a little bit right now with that board going to Tahiti. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's God, you know, that thing's going to be behind one of the best watermen in the world, most likely, and probably grabbing, one of the biggest wave, most famous surfers in the world off of that wave. And it's going to be on my sudden that, that damn thing yeah. goes, goes wrong. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. Bro, that's on me, you know, right. and that is all on me. And, you know, so, and, and I know that's going to happen. I mean, I know that there's, I don't want to say names, but I mean, I, I know that the best surfers in the world will, will be on that thing right behind, behind him. And, sure. you know, that's all I can do is, throw a bunch of lifeguards here and try and break it. So yeah, <laughs> at least it'll work sometimes. So right. And yeah, then it's ju- a lot of yeah. And it's just a matter of like, all right, you know, you just got to pull the trigger. Right. And that, that, that weird feeling of, ah, I hope it's going to work. But you know, I think deep down inside, you always have that faith of it's, it's going to work, you know, you know, for, yeah, for some yeah. weird reason, right. It, it'll, it'll all pan out in, in, you know, what's the worst that could happen. You know, I'm obviously, the worst thing that they happen in your industry is a little bit, you know, higher stake, but you know, knowing you and knowing everything that's gone on the board and all the people behind that board, it's, you know, you know, what's going to happen, you know, no, no, it's going to work out. I'll give you a good example out. of that. 
it, um, right now, Nazare is going off mm-hmm. in Portugal. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's guys from here actually um, riding some of the largest waves ever ridden. Mm-hmm. And I showed you earlier our new fifth generation soft top sled. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. We, we finished that. I mean, can we finish the design, the, the fifth model, probably a year ago? Um, and we just got our first load of them and we've been testing them. Mm-hmm. And there was guys that were calling that in Portugal that knowing this was coming, they wanted to get, they wanted one, right? you know, and they want to put it out there. And even though it's my, our fifth generation, I, I said, no, you know, it'd be, you know, I, it'd be amazing marketing. I'd probably sell heaps of them just from it being used out there right now. But right. I wasn't, um, and I have a lot of people pinging me right now saying, Hey, I'm looking at these videos. Is that yours in there? Is that yours? And I think there actually one is over. Somebody must've grabbed one. Cause there is one floating around over there. Yeah. But, uh, I, I told a couple people no I don't I don't want to I don't want it to be over there just yet I'm not ready for it to be into that because right. that's a that's a different thing um so and that takes a lot you know I'm still trying to grow a business and make a profit eventually and if I can't market the stuff then how are we going to sell them so you right. ha- it takes a lot of you you want to say faith that you're making the right decision but it's more so you're making the right decision because I'm not it's not proven yet right it, it's it's been used for three years but still not ready for that mm-hmm. um. Now, seeing what is over there and now having it tested for another three months, I'm <laughs> the other side was like, damn it, that thing definitely would have been able to. <laughs> right. <laughs> I totally should have sent, you know. Right. Um, but like I said earlier, I made the I made the that decision a couple months ago and I'm sticking with it. Yeah. But for sure. That's funny. Well, Cliff, um, you know, it's been great talking to you about, you know, P2P, you, you know, your, how you kind of got into it and all the trials and tribulations, the challenges and whatnot. Um, you know, is there, where can people get to know you and, and P2P Rescue a little bit more? How can they find you? Uh, the best way and probably the only reason we've been able to build P2P Rescue is social media. Yeah. Um, you know, without the advent of social media, we would not have been able to progress so fast with reaching people and places um, right. and people reaching us easily. So the, the uh, easiest way is uh, social media, Instagram, particularly mm-hmm. um, at P2P Rescue. Um, you can usually get me. Uh, I don't have a fancy social media. <laughs> That's how I found you. <laughs> That's how you found me. Yeah. Uh, and then our website, uh, www.p2prescue.com. Awesome. Um, we just did an awesome update to it and a lot of cool stuff coming. Yeah. Looks great. Well, it was a real pleasure being, you know, able to have you on the show and, uh, you know, I'm just looking forward to talking to you more and, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's been great. Thanks Zach. It's, uh, I I've enjoyed this discussion and had my own, uh, own realizations of, <laughs> you know, I don't get to step back and look at the history and a few things I've learned today as well. I appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. Real pleasure. Thanks Cliff. All right, brother. Be good. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Along the Keel, episode 40 of Along the Keel. Pretty cool to be able to say that, but anyways, it was a great time being able to talk with Cliff today about P2P Rescue and getting to know him and the company and how it all came to be. I don't know about you, but I found it very interesting and profound, his story as to how his pop, his father passed away and um, you know, deep down inside, it was almost as if this was something that he was always meant to be. And you never really know until you you, know, you go through your experiences in life. And uh, it it's almost as if it finds you, it seems like. So 
Anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed the, uh, the show today. And please, please give us a like, a share, and a subscribe. Uh, that would mean a lot. Also, head on over to P2P Rescue on Instagram, Facebook, and check them out. You know, the, part of the show and part of the reason why I do it is because I want to get these companies um, a little bit more light. You know, it's not the biggest podcast. Uh, it's not the biggest following on social media. But, um, you know, it's one more person to uh, give them a like, share, and a follow. Let them know that they heard the story, they care, and, uh, you know, just show them some love. So if you could do that, that'd be great. Tell them that Zach sent you. And uh, with that, I hope you guys enjoy this episode of the show. On next week's show, we're having on James Merrill of Opalus Optics. Very cool episode. Very excited to share. Uh, James is creating sunglasses from recycled plastic. So he controls the entire supply chain. So the plastic that you pick up on the beach is the plastic that's being put into your sunglasses. Very cool. Very excited to share. And with that, as always, work hard, do good, and be incredible, and have an awesome day.